0: Hi, I'm Justin King and welcome to the Blue Chip Academy. As a five-star recruit, all-Big Ten corner, NFL vet, and Power 5 recruiting coordinator, I understand the emotions that go along with the recruiting process. The Blue Chip Academy is here to provide education, critical insights, and mentorship through the recruiting process. For families and athletes alike. When athletes and their families have proper education and guidance, they're able to make better decisions and set themselves up for long term success. Blue Chip Academy provides the resources and information that empowers athletes to create their own blue chip blueprint and take ownership of their careers. Blue Chip Academy exists because when athletes and their families are armed with the right information, they're able to make the decisions for themselves that positively impact their future. Again, I'll be your host, Justin King, and welcome to Blue Chip Academy. And welcome back to the Blue Chip Academy podcast, providing unique blueprints, tactical knowledge, and best practices to navigate the critical points in the elite sports ecosystem so athletes and parents can prepare a plan to a career that any Athlete can bank on you know specialized training and gaining an edge in elite sports is necessary when we talk about the capitalization plan in sports. And if you're serious about the development and reaching your athletic goals, that's something that you need to invest in at an early age. When we talk about the talent acquisition process, um, in college sports and just recruiting, moving to a younger age with NIL and everything in the college game. You know, you gotta have a, a great uh uh nurturing pot when you're coming into the game. So in today's episode, we're jumping to the GOAT of trainers. I'm like the a trainer because what he's produced and the ecosystem that he's kind of built is beyond uh I would say the name of the trainer, founder of owner founder and owner of two ten speed and agility, responsible for pointing over hundred players in the college. And similar into the NFL, most notably the best defensive player in the league, Aaron Donald, and I mean the list can go on and on. We'll be talking about some other guys. Quan Brisker that came out this year. Uh, Miles Sanders. I, I mean, uh, we can, we'll go on forever if we just keep going into that. But let's welcome Dwayne D. Brown. <laughs> What's
1: going on, Justin? How you doing?
0: Good, man. Appreciate you jumping on today, man. Just let's start a little bit with your background and just how you guys started in the business of sports and training athletes.
1: Well, you know how people, when they hear about the training, they don't know I was a basketball player. So this is basically the sports thing just dates back to my family was real sports-orientated, the Browns from Bell Super, Browns and the Waves. Um, You know, played, you know, like everybody else, baseball, basketball, football, coming up, and I just took a liking to it. You know, I was one of those guys where when I got hooked on the hoops, I was at it almost every day. You know, i go play with my friends, but before I would go play with my friends, I was was down the park shooting hundreds of jump shots, working on the handle. So before they got out there, right up McKinley Park, before they got out there, I was already So And then, you know, into the training business, it was more or less one of the things where I played college basketball, uh, got my degree, you know, I got in with the uh, Pittsburgh Public Schools, working in student affairs, and, you know, you start playing these 30 and under leagues. And I'm thinking about, is that all I really want to do is just play these 30 and under leagues and that's that. And I started looking around and I started looking at the athletes in the city. And when they would go to the camps, I would go to the pick camp, Robert Morris. Um, I started seeing, you know, what, 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 your dad was doing out gateway. And a lot of the kids was looking like fat out in the game. You know, <laughs> and then they didn't know how to run they didn't know how to attack the drills correctly. And they, I was always friends with Mike Booth because he worked in Pittsburgh Public Schools too. So me and him coincide and talk. And I just got three, I just took $3,000 of my savings. I ended up getting a Nissan Frontier and buying some ladders, cones, sleds, hurdles, right down Warrington Rec. Six kids showed up. And your cousin Marcellus Garner was one of the you know, guys that showed up. Will Clark was there John Wetzel Wow I'm, I'm forgetting I was a kid from Penn um, Uh, uh it's, it's on my mind I can't Andre well, you, Andre Freeman Andre Okay Freeman. yeah
0: yeah You've been dealing with a lot of yeah. players man So the Rolodex is long You yeah. gotta understand Like you've seen it all
1: <laughs> Other cousin Was riding a bike with a weight vest on Vanessa Gardner You know yeah. what I mean Yep <laughs> <laughs>
0: That time It was that time <laughs> That's so that's interesting. When you when you first started training, like, what was the basis of it? Because you say you were coming from a basketball standpoint. That's the one thing I really enjoy, like just watching a lot of your. I mean, we could start with the warm ups, right? Like just a level of exposing just pure athletic ability. How were your training sessions? How did they evolve from when you got I guess first started with six people to to now?
1: Well, you know, everything you could back then. You know, the internet. You know, it was here or rather there, and I just had to, you know just try to find information, just look how athletes move. So I figured, hey, since I'm a basketball player, it's the same drill, sliding. They just they're just running. And I just start dissecting, you know, running form and different things that work. So and I figured out along the way what specific equipment and what specific drills work for me. And I fine tuned it more or less. Everybody knows I use the jump stretch bands, the big rubber bands tied to it a knot. And you got a person in the back and you got your resistance. And you see Aaron, it he helps off with his get-off. A wrist, uh, his pursuit, a uh, sky war, his get off. Yep. Yeah, different things like that. So, and then I started just improvising on different cone drills. And then as my numbers grew, I said, Oh, I, I need to start putting two drills together in one. So that's why I start doing the combo drilling where I figured out in football, you ain't running a straight line.
0: Right.
1: So I would add a hurdle drill into a cone drill. Now, in the beginning phases, people would be like, man, what is this guy doing? But what it turned out to be is I was just ahead of my time. Because remember now, I didn't take things from a book and do it. Most people go, they get certified or they go to school for training. So they're reading a book or they're taking what another person does and added it to theirs you know if Tom Marinovich's dad which I looked at when I first started if he was training Paul in a certain way and getting all these guys on the west coast NFL he had to be innovative himself he didn't use weights he used bands so I said let's take the weight room to the to the football to the to the field I bought I I, I still got him I bought, I got 60 medicine balls. I used to use them a lot, but then I started getting to the band stuff. I used to love them things. Yeah. Along with 12 sleds, plus the weight. I had I had sleds made. Each sled was 100 pounds itself. It was- <laughs> yeah, along with the weight. <laughs>
0: That's crazy. So when you talk about overall athleticism, like when you talk about training, a lot of times people go to like, oh, I'm going to a speed trainer. I'm going to go... Uh, work on my quickness or strength and agility. It's funny that you say like you were building out like oh essentially a program of overall athleticism tied to the game because like I didn't really intro- like I was introduced like, by my vet. Shout out to Corey Chavis, my 12 year vet, and we used to train in the off season. He used to have this kind of same ph- uh, philosophy about how you train and being unpredictable about your movements and different things of that nature because the way that things happen in football, like controlled drills, really aren't. They're not going to exactly get you to that. Next level. So, like, when I started seeing like all your different training methods and different things, I nature when I really dove in, I'm like, oh, this is extremely innovative in that whole aspect because if you're getting guys ready, functional athleticism and just functional movements at like a young age. That's like very impressive. So, how do you feel about just like just the overall athleticism versus like specialized athletic gifts versus speed, strength, quickness when training athletes?
1: Um, you know. It's all, it all coincides with each other, you know what I mean? So you need to get, I, and I agree with this, so if you're working a position or different things like that, you need that specialized training. So whereas I, what I learned how to do is I'm doing linear, ladder, core, explosion. I'm getting your mental focus right. And the matter of fact, when you're in a group setting, you have to compete, and therefore, when I start these kids out young, they're all on a clean slate. And you walk them through the process. And it's a buildup. It's just not, even though some of the videos I put out, you see them doing multiple things. No, we're building up to that point. So by the time a six-week basis goes past, because generally when you lift weights, and we won't hit on that, you start seeing results at six weeks. So if I have a, 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 a athlete that's with me they go through a six-week basis with me, doing the two to three times a week, they're going to see results. Now, what happens is a lot, because we have so many kids down there, parents, they don't really, like, see it. But guess when they see it? When they're competing against kids that don't come. They're like, well, I see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's like, you know, even Aaron, he might have, and, and when he first started with me, he might have had some, like, man, what am I doing this for? And he said it, but then guess what? He won all those awards at Pitt. Yeah. Then he comes yeah. back. Then he wins Defensive Rookie of the Year. Then he comes back, and then he gets a Pro Bowl. You know what I mean? So it's
0: yeah, just it, keep going.
1: It's touching him up, and then I'm switching different drills up. You know, for these guys in the NFL, and then if they could do it, guess what? When I get a kid that's been around me for some several years, and I, if I get a kid that's nine. At the time they're 12, man, sky's and You've seen that in a lot of the kids you've seen down there. These dudes, like, they're not the every 12-year-old kids.
0: No, absolutely not. And it's funny that you say that because, I mean, just dealing with, you know, different athletes all the time, just like the evaluation process. And one thing is always trying to – I hate to say it, but you're always trying to eliminate guys, right? Like, who can't do what? And it's like trying to figure it out. So I remember you were our our chief trainer we were doing our – uh our trials for the XFL, you know, we were doing the Kenny Robinson, uh the whole process getting him into the XFL and the whole thing at West Virginia, you were the main person. So you had a group of guys out there, and I remember the effect this and the efficiency of the warm-up. Because like it was like you had like six guys out there for the XFL and it's like to be honest with you, like the movements of a top one percent player, just they, they kinda you expose it very fast. So it's like you could see it from the efficiency. So it's like going through, it's like, okay, that's one. That's the one. Now let me get Let's just see if it's football. And like that's a that's a pretty impressive thing and i was like i mean i was raving about just i was like i knew in the warm up but the warm up was impressive just the different things that you were putting them through and all that good stuff but we see like the world of NIL and everything in college sports shifting to like the outcome of the talent acquisition process right whether it's agents from college coaches and all that different type of stuff so the early identification process flows typically through like training facilities and different things of that nature when, you, when do you see serious athletes starting to get involved with your training?
1: I mean, of course, like we said, we started at a young age, but now, like you said, with the NIL, I mean, once once these kids start getting offers, it, it, lights, it lights their eyes up. So when they gotcha. get the first pit, Penn State, you know, West Virginia, even MAC or whatever it is, that's when it starts getting real. Now with the NIL, it's like, hold up, As an athlete, now I need to bear it down. But... The one thing that I, I feel like I have an advantage is I have NFL guys that they can actually touch and see and train and they can give them game on the process. I can bring a Will Clark back and he can talk to these kids like, look, I made it. I played five, six years in the NFL. You know, this league is not the type of league that everybody thinks it is. It's just not... And we, we're seeing a lot of the guys we know right now going through a lot of things right now. The right. NFL, for long, is tough. You know what I mean? Everybody's guys is on top. That's a certain percentage. You know, right. that's a percentage that makes it. And even if you got guys that's starting off flaming off good, and I go back to this, a lot of players get caught up in the lifestyle stuff. You know? So true. the NFL guys can give these, these kids coming up a lot of game on what to expect, what to see. And I think that's a vantage point that two gives these, kids coming up in high school.
0: A hundred percent. It's a whole different, it feels like a whole different gap in the ecosystem, right? Like you got a training that's in the sports ecosystem, but I always like like reminded like your, 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 your situation or your, your gym, which reminds me of like a, like a gladiator, like a gladiator hub type spot, right? Where it's like iron, sharp iron, like, you know, the cranes going rise to the top to that point that you're saying, when you get to elite athletes, there's a level of competition within the environment that you're creating. Right. And like being able to touch those NFL players and like to understand the other side, we talk about that dual lane thing, how to operate off the field, how to operate on the field. But the thing that I always loved about your your piece was like, there's a level, there's a type of player, right? I remember going to the Mount Le- Lebanon game uh, last year and there was a the guy, we had a crazy game, Eli, Eli, uh, for, yeah, Eli, yeah, from Mount Lebo, and, you know, I was just getting the evals from people, and people were talking to me about them, and I was like, you know, the stamp was like, yeah, everybody's like, you know, go down deep round, and I started coming down there, and everybody was like, oh, yeah, he's that dude, and you started seeing like, oh, if you come out of here, it's, it, it, there's a different, there's a different stamp when you're coming out of, like, two tips, like, especially from the personality standpoint and what you're kind of, the environment that you're creating. So like, that's something that's very unique and I definitely appreciate.
1: That goes back to this. It's, it's basically this, when you go to the hoop court, you got, they. everybody knew at seven o'clock, the grown man was coming on. So if you was a guy and you wasn't, you was like, we had a group of guys, we was all hungry. So they like, we're not with it. We're not, you're not kicking. Yeah. And if gosh, you had to win, you know what I mean? Even the grown men. So, it's, and, and, that's what, and, and there's some, there's, and, and there's parents and there's some players, when they come down there, they don't want to be in that atmosphere. And, but it's not reality. You know what I saying? It's just not. It's part of the is,
0: eval for me. It's like, they don't want right. the smoke?
1: <laughs> you figure, too, you start, we get 150 to 180 training and then 250 to 300 positional. And then around in that, in that phase of that, you're looking at, you might walk in there, there's 30 to 50 kids with offers, with D1 offers. We ain't talking about the D2s. Right. But then you got that dude.
0: Yeah. Wait, got wait, that They, they can
1: <laughs> Right. You got that hungry kid from Perry Academy that, like, hold on, this dude got offers? Or Wessinghouse, you know what I mean? Yeah. This guy got offers? I'm just as yes. good as this kid. And they and, and those are them scrappy guys that some of these guys on that higher level don't like going up against, and, and and they're coming at them. They might not be as talented. They might not know what they're doing. You know what I mean? But they're dogs. You know what I mean? Right. So Brennan, right. Edward, one of those type kids, uh, he was laying at two thousand and I can't remember what class that was, thirteen or fourteen, and I seen him scrappy little period, and he was at he was at all the top match guys like. Tyler Moore, Trent Coles, a seller, et cetera. So he ended up in Division Two. He didn't go D one, but exactly. that's the type of
0: atmosphere. Don't so. Nah, cause that's what guys get, get guys ready to like make that transition and excel at the next level, right? Being able to do that. And so like you have a unique viewpoint from seeing all these athletes at a young age. Can you tell when like you have a real player in your hands? Like what's the determining factor from like the elites that you've seen at a young age? Like spotting the big paws on a little on a little puppy.
1: Uh, no, number one thing is attention to detail. You know, I look at certain kids is how fast they can pick it up, how fast they can process it, because you know it. How it is. when you in a, when you in college, high school, college, NFL, you got to be able to pay attention, take that information, process it, do it. There's a lot of guys that you probably seen it in the NFL, better athletes, but they couldn't process, they couldn't courage to take that information, process it, and do it i.e. one of the kids is Lamont Payne. He can do that. One thing I noticed about Lamont, he don't make the same mistake, not to talk about him, but he doesn't make the same mistake twice. Yeah. See what I'm saying? He might get yes. beat, he comes, he takes the information, processes it, and he does it. Those are the type of players that you can see. Uh, Chris Black, you met him, 12, 13 yep. years old. He's, he's staring right Just through Just different. You.
0: Yeah, Yeah, just just different. And then, like you said, like everything is exactly what you said to the T. How is, yep. And like correcting something is like on the fly. That's, 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 that's real. And like, when you say that, would you say that's the same common denominator for like the elites? I mean, because you've seen it from Aaron Donald from that standpoint all the way up. Like you, you deal with Najee Harris uh, in the NFL. um, You deal with college guys that come back. So just from that standpoint, is that a consistent thing?
1: Right, yeah, it it, it is very consistent because those dudes, they are perfectionists. They want everything to a crisp. If it's if, the, if the, you tell if you tell one of them don't go past an inch past that line, guess what? That's what they'll do. Everything is to perfection, and when they mess up, they go back and redo it again. I, I'm not. I, I, you wouldn't even know how many NFL guys. They just try to. When sometimes when they train with me, they just try to get through the drill, and then you got. <laughs> standing there like bro you got to go back and then yeah. you know they're looking and what would you going to say to him
0: right right nah. yeah. <laughs> Like, that. but that's the culture he created right yeah right right nah, that, and that's 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 the one thing i definitely appreciate because like in that culture there's a level of understanding where you fit because i'll say you know you deal with trainers all the time and I really appreciate your. I mean, just so everybody knows he's not a snitching on players, but like D. Brown gives honest evals on players, right? Like when you deal with players, like when the eval comes through, like he's not the he's not the trainer that's just like, oh, he trains with me. He's the best. Like, that's not really what it is. He's gonna give you the eval in a very matter-of-fact way. And I've always appreciated that, man, because it's like, hey this is it. And like, you're probably one of the best evaluators I do. And I think it does come from like that aspect of the pure basis of athleticism and understanding the movement and also being a top performance coach. But how do you manage like the expectations, having so much success from parents coming to think like, yo, if they go to deep Brown, they're just going to get offers. Like, how do you manage that?
1: So it's all about, like you just said, you hit the keyboard, just be honest. That's why i never, I'll never tell a parent their kids, division one or Power five, I'm like your kid's a scholarship kid. Now, when those offers start rolling in, I don't gotta say nothing. You know what I mean? And, and and the thing is, you know, it's like this. When you train, you come down there, you're gonna get what you deserve because that means you work for it. You know what I mean? You get what I'm saying? It's nobody's handing you anything. The platform's there, you follow the blueprint. That's why I hashtag two test the blueprint, follow it you get the most out of your ability and then you go and you get, you, get, you, find, you get the scholarship or whatever school that wants you and you take that and you go up play and everybody's not going to go to the league and you conduct yourself and make yourself a good citizen in society. That's the main thing when I first started this. It wasn't about guys going to the NFL. It was about just right. getting these kids to school and that's the basis of it. And that's how, I, that's how it is, genuinely. People always ask me, why are you helping you, sometimes you help kids you don't even know because I see what they can do. I see their ability, you know, and then what happens is if I can help them and I can, you know, they could start coming to two tents and start achieving their goals. Hey, one thing, I'm going to say this. Um, uh, Mr. Garner's dad, uh, he told me one day, not to change he said, hey, when I go to heaven, I don't want to be bald here. I want to have crowns on my head. So that's how I look. at it. I'm helping these kids, you know, achieve something that they want to achieve. And I'm doing it generally. You know?
0: Yeah. Knowing the capitalization plan through sports, right? You know, and like that, that critical piece of like, all right, this is the step to get into college. This is the step to go here. And you're dealing with players in college, NFL, and all those different things. And like we say here, using sports as a catalyst to a career that you can bank on. Right. Like, cause it op- it does open doors, and if you maneuver the right way, you can really set yourself up for in life like in a in a serious way and like that's interesting that goes into our next point. you see guys throughout their entire careers. Can you take me through like the differences of training guys in high school college and n f l and the predictors of if you see like their value rising or falling like you might deal with a five star that comes back in college and it's like ah, he ain't he he lost his edge or and doing good in college and like, oh, okay, yeah.
1: Well, sometimes too, like, it, 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 and, and I'm gonna hit on this point. I believe that when it comes to the recruitment process, it's all about momentum. So, a lot of kids, even though they get certain offers, they are a power five, but it's, it's about going to the right situation that fits the player. So, we look at Atari's Ferry, I mean, that's another example. Raw kid coming out the city. 6'5", athletic. But now, he picked Kentucky. His situation was a little bit different where he needed to get out of Western Pennsylvania, where he's from. So he's going into a situation, he's flourishing down there. He's doing very well. You know what I'm, get what I'm saying? So a lot of the kids, yep, yep. K okay, is another kid. He was getting all FCS Ivy League schools I talked to him and his parents, he'd been with us for seventh grade. Said, I told him go to the Wisconsin camp. What did he do? Went to the Wisconsin camp, got the offer. Now he won state championship. He's the most athletic safety in their room. And he's the type of kid that can go past college because of his determination, his will. And that's one thing you can't for. There's a lot of athletes out there. They might not be as athletic, but they fit everything that the college wants. And then you're like, well, how did this dude end up going to a Yale, Rodney Thomas? He was a late bloomer. (laughs) Then now he's in the NFL because he fits every criteria, what the NFL wants, high character. He works hard. He's athletic enough. He listens. He's gonna come on time. And those are different variables you know that's the difference between people staying and coming in the league. They don't get in trouble off the field. They'll take guys like that, locker room guys, and they'll be in the year be in the league and for six to ten years and they get an executive job in the NFL.
0: Because people don't understand that the coach is like they're, you know, their level of they're not trying to not trying to sacrifice their job for you being a knucklehead. So there is a that's a major part of the evaluation. It's like, yeah, you're on the field, but like how's this person operating? Can I trust him to do what he's going to do because I got to feed my kids based on what this guy's going to do. Right. So like to that point, even that identity, what you're saying, cause I came onto your podcast last year and man, the group of guys that you had on, or you had the kid that went to Kentucky, uh, the Ben Traver kid that you're talking about that went to Wisconsin. Lamont, I think Lamont was there, but from all, I mean, from just as that standpoint, you're right. Like you can s- simply see like, Oh, something ticking different with him. Like it's like that, that just that being able to see the mentality of the player when they're all together is just, so valuable and to see like the different skill set that kind of matches up with that. And I'll talk about dual lane branding all the time, you know what I mean? And just from the standpoint of obviously your brand off the field and like, again, we're getting into the NIL with the forefront and guys portraying their brand in that active way. Do you see any opportunities where, you know, two tips could get into that, uh, in that space with helping guys close that gap in the NIL, um, Eric? Oh, yeah, definitely,
1: definitely. I mean, I, it's, it's happening, I mean, as we speak, It's happening right now, you know, because they all – just like the recruiting, if you're part of the process with the recruiting, then this is just another step of being a part of the process with the NIL. So it's happening right now. There's different guys, different things put on the table. But it still has to be the right fit for the player and the family. So – and that's the way I do it. You know, even though I got these relationships with the players, you can't – you always got to have a family involved. So – and there's a different – and this is a thing. That when you're dealing with these athletes as a trainer, you got to know how to maneuver. Like you said, you can't upset different boundaries because at the end of the day, you're just training the athletes. <laughs> at the end of and the that's, day, and that's real. So, and I get,
0: that brings me to another point. Like you're you're typically you're getting the talent so early throughout the process, right? Because I always, look at athletes, I man. People, whatever you want to say, but people look at them like stocks, assets moving up throughout the chain, and you're getting to them before anybody else, right? It'd be like finding penny stocks before they blow up like that's exactly what you're doing so you're getting approached by a lot of key stakeholders whether it's college or you know the NFL agents that are coming in the game how do you maneuver that space
1: well with that that you know when it comes to those agents and stuff like that I, I, I bear the athletes I'm dealing with I bear them away from them. you know what I mean because that's not they can get to that level in college now if there's a certain situation right. where when the athletes coming out you know, out of, out, of, out of college, and it's their time. If they ask me, you know, there's some different directions that I can point them. But I kind of stay out that lane just because I'm dealing with so many different kids on the lower level, and, and every situation is different. But now we got the NIL stuff, so now I, I can indulge a little bit more, but I kind of stay out of that because, you know, you can. Sometimes in certain situations you can you don't even know you're stepping over boundaries and here it is it'll cause a conflict. So I just kinda like bear away from certain things. So
0: it's I'm I'm happy you said it because there's a lot of things within the football ecosystem or elite sports ecosystem. Like there's layers to it, right? And there's there's unspoken rules and different things that come about, but like it's all about getting to again the talent and providing that different service and how you maneuver that. It takes some skills and understanding the ecosystem. <laughs>
1: I do talk to NFL scouts because they'll hit, they'll hit me up about certain. they know that I, since I train these guys in the NFL so different teams will hit me up and they want to know how, how the character is about the player so I give them an honest opinion and don't ask me well how is it how, how is this player as an athlete well who do you compare him to and I can give them just like you said my evaluation of
0: Absolutely. And when, once your Rolodex is so long and seeing like so many different type of athletes from offensive linemen, defensive lineman. you got Sky Moore, you got Miles Sanders, you got Aaron Donald. So you're talking about elite Jaquan Brisker, You're talking about elite athletes that all move different and play different positions. Like, I, I don't think people realize how unique that is from the evaluation standpoint and to be able to see how they compete within that environment. Because like, I mean, people want to say what it is. NFL is. It's a it's, it's it's a violent it's a violent it's a violent institution. Like to survive and do everything that you got to do in there. There's a certain build that you have to have. So, like you're prepping those guys for that because we can get into the Western PA top 150 camp, the two tips camp this past season, and the 2022 preseason review a little bit and talking about it. But you had like some crazy prospects at your camp. Um, the top 150. You want to talk about a little bit of the guys that you had on hand before we even say that how about some guys that you're thinking about some big name guys yeah because there's a lot of there some big name guys fast risers, some sleepers that we need to be looking for this season coming up
1: right so I'll I'll go some guys coming up that you can look at that I I like um, uh, Cole Sullivan at Central he's a guy that's on the rise outside linebacker 6'3", 200 Um, there's another kid over at Central Gompers he's 6'4", like 200. He, uh, he ran four or five down pit going into his sophomore year. Uh, there's a kid, uh, Laurel Highlands, Antoine Black Jr., 6'1, 6'2 corner, uh, very athletic. He can he attack the ball, and there's not too many long DBs yet identified in the area. Um, you got the kid over at Canavan, Davion Taylor, freshman. Linebacker, outside linebacker, out, inside linebacker, outside linebacker, DN type. About 6'1, 2, 2 10. He's gonna be a good guy. Desai, Edmonds Collins. Right. What's his 6'2, 6'2, 2'10, outside linebacker, DN. Uh, who else is there? You know, I like I like the guys that I'm I'm naming guys that people like know about but don't know about before they hit the scene.
0: So any recruiting coordinators that are listening to this, man, you need to write down all the names that he said, because it's like, get, that's the list that you need to start getting to. And then the kid, I mean, it was at the, I mean, I went to one of the camps and the kid blew up since then. Last, I was at the, I think it was the Evolve tryout. The uh, kid from Imani was blowing up, the linebacker. Um, Burnett. Yep, that's. And I'm about to say, I first saw him at two temps, like playing quarterback. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, we had a
1: in the, uh, if you go to another position, and which was good, like his dad, his dad understands the process because he played basketball overseas, and then he goes in camps at six three two ten running four sixes at fourteen years old. So he's very athletic. We don't know if he's going to be a DN a tight end, but and then he shows that he got some pop, and the future is bright for him. Right, I, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get not to get off topic, but a lot of people don't. When they look at the valuation process, you got to look at the projection of what a guy's going to be. So I'm going to give you a prime example: Cameron Cheatham, six three, two twenty five. So, and they're looking at him. Then he committed to Akron, some Power Five schools are looking at him. He plays in the city, but due to the fact that I know these athletes around here and train so many. He's no different athlete than Quentin, Quentin um, Jefferson. Quentin was 6'3", 225, 230. So what did Quentin end up playing? Three technique. What's he had a long time in the NFL playing? No different athlete. And that's what I'm talking about projection-wise. A lot of these guys, you know, you can't look at a kid and get caught up. Okay, they see him on film playing one position. But guess what? That guy might be better served. He, he playing defense now. He might be an offensive tackle. You see what I'm saying? So you got to look at projection wise because you know, if you tell you a lot of guys, they got quick pop at the end or just average pop. But if you put weight on and move them inside, guess what? That's to their advantage. And, and, and I think that guys get caught up in oh, he's just going to be like Quentin Martin. Oh, he's going to be a linebacker, he's going to be a safety. No, Quentin's best service is he might be just a, a Debo Samuels, a Percy Harvin type guy that you get the ball in space and let him work. You know what I'm saying? Because he, he, he has an offensive mentality, and he can get you points. <laughs> Explosive.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, like, and again, I hope someone's keeping a li- keeping a list of the names that he's dropping so you guys can, you know, make sure you get your evals and recruiting straight. <laughs> But yeah, go ahead. My bad.
1: No, no, I was just saying, though, that that's what happens in the, in, in in the when you're evaluating a player. Uh, I'll go back to look at Tay Mir. He's making plays, and, you know, therefore, you can see the weight he was putting on. So he's going to be 250, 255 at the time he pop, finishes out. You know what I mean? So the projection, what I'm just saying about projection, you got to project what these kids are going to be in the future because... A guy like Manessa, he was the first guy that I was able to understand the evaluation process with. He's 6'2", 190, coming out of high school. Was Manessa's 6'3", 6'4", 250 playing in the NFL. So you got to project where these guys are going to be. And then on the other hand, if you do get a kid that's, right. say, a 5'11", 185", 190, you don't want to get them too big because what happens is if they get too big, and they end up moving too a well linebacker if they're a DB. So, you know, you got to be able to be able to, you know, project and keep them certain ways, especially being as a trainer. K is a prime example. You don't want Kade over 210 pounds because he starts getting a little thick.
0: And they can't move.
1: Keep him 200 to 205. And, and that way he's still be able to show his athletic ability.
0: Yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense, even dealing with those different types of athletes and different players. So we get into it. Like, how can a family or prospect, you know, get involved with two temps?
1: Uh, well, we'll always, I always put the sign ups around October, November. I use the social media. Um, and you can just, out, I'm right on Instagram, 210ths. Twitter, same thing, 210ths. Um, the Facebook, the two Tenths fan page. And you got have the nonprofit, foundation.org.
0: That's awesome, man. Just another resource in the ecosystem, man. We just love that D Brown was able to share a lot of knowledge in this, uh, on this podcast, our little technical difficulties, but man, j- just understanding what he said, like get into the specialized training aspect at an early age and just understanding the competition aspect, right? Going through this whole process is competition from the beginning and just the different aspects of when you're training on your specific sport, whether it's volleyball track and field and football, what we're talking about. So Thank you again. Links are in the bio. Um, guys, get in touch with uh two tenths, speed and agility if you're really trying to get right into this football thing and have a chance to compete against the best players around the Western PA area and nationally. Um we have uh opportunities for you know any free consults and recruiting. Uh, recruiting and player development you give me a call and I had the links at the at the bottom to set up a console and we have the recruiting and football master class taking you through all the critical points through the football ecosystem and that is how we're going to end this process thank you for tuning in to this episode of blue chip academy to help navigate the recruiting waters lig sports group put together a blue chip recruiting checklist Download your checklist at LIGsports.com Blue Chip Academy to ensure you're making informed decisions through this process. Hit subscribe and check out the LIG Sports Group Football Ops Recruiting YouTube channel. We will talk about the recruiting and other critical points in the football ecosystem. If you're feeling stressed, confused, or just want to help putting together a blue chip blueprint for you and your son, don't hesitate to book a console call with me at LIGsports.com backslash Blue Chip Academy. Remember, everyone has a different journey. Keep sharpening. Remember that you can only go to one school. Just make sure that you have your Blue Chip blueprint together and execute it. Life is good.